What's up, all you disciple makers out there? This is the Disciple Makers Podcast brought to you by discipleship.org, and I'm your host, Dave Stovall. We've got Doug Burrier today with Sustainable Discipleship's final track session from the most recent forum, and he's talking to us about the evergreen principle. That means creating self-sustaining traffic to websites, closing sales without new efforts, using small changes to avoid overwhelming clients. We can apply those same evergreen principles to disciple making. That's attract, make, and release many disciples that make other disciples with little long-term effort. The stuff we're getting in this episode today is the stuff they don't teach you in seminary. Let's let Doug pour into us today as we learn how to use this evergreen principle with those we're discipling. Enjoy the episode, everybody. All right, so let's talk about evergreens and the concept of just make six. And somebody said to me, what do you mean by just make six? So, oh, by the way, if you're new, you get to ask questions at the beginning and anywhere you want you to interrupt. This is your breakout because we're sick of the norm. <laughs> we got questions, I want you to get them answered. If that means we don't get to all the content, we'll just figure it out. So far, that's never happened because we design very short content so you can talk, <laughs> okay? Um, so when, when, uh, when we talk about Just Make Six, our tagline is like, what do evergreens have to do? So how many people know what evergreen marketing is? Okay, so you guys are gonna be ahead of the game. The rest of you, nobody knows? Okay, so um, do you know about evergreens? Do you know like pine trees? Do, you, do they have pine trees here? I've been nowhere except like, well, there's a tree, but it's not an evergreen. So I've just, you know, hotel here, what, blindly following, don't have a car, people drive me around, you know. So, but evergreens stay green during the challenging seasons, right? During the cold, they stay green. Do you know why they stay green? Any gardeners? This is awesome. So they stay green because they have the, the, their leaf structure. I know we don't think of them as leaves, but a pine needle, that's a leaf. So their leaf structure is condensed, compressed, and has minimal surface area, a heavier wax coating. And what that does is it allows them to withstand temperature differentials and allows them to continue to do photosynthesis in less than prime conditions because they don't require as much. It also lets them retain water because though you might think it's the short days that mess with these deciduous trees, it's not. It's that the way the season goes, they can't retain the water to get through the winter. So they shed their leaves and store the water in the trunk so they can come back. Whereas an evergreen, because of the makeup of it, the way it's designed, it stores the water. So not only can it resist the cold, right? So it doesn't have to shed its leaves, nothing freezes and dies. It has the water to continue photosynthesis. So it's evergreen. Okay, so in marketing, um, they were one of the first people to crack this thing. All of you are subject to evergreen marketing. You just don't know it. Okay. How many people, like you got a new puppy at some point in the last, say, three, four years? Nobody? All right. And you, you texted things like, what's the best flea, whatever, right? Okay. How many of you had somebody in your family, kids, whatever, you got married in the last five years? And you're like, what's the best? Anytime you type into the Google, you go to the man, you say, Google, and you type that in, 90% of the time, you get back what's called an evergreen article. It is timeless content, so it doesn't wear out. That's what they mean by evergreen content. So in other words, you put a piece of content out there that doesn't wear out. Some, if it's a video or a picture, it's going to wear out just because people age, so you have to refresh it. But the content itself doesn't wear out. So like, why does my dog, you know, limping or when he stepped on a rock, whatever it is, you know, evergreen content. You guys know this, right? You go see all this stuff all the time. You know, what's the best way to get rid of athletes feet? Evergreen content. This is not fresh content. All they do, there's a little thing when you're doing coding, by the way, HTML coding, you can put a thing in that puts the current date in. So you think it's new, but it was posted like 800 years ago. You can't even fake how many people have read the article. But so it just looks current to you. But the reason that works is why? Because the content never ages. And the funny thing about evergreen marketing is this, evergreen marketing continues to bring in revenue long after it's posted and you've moved on. It just sits out there passively and every time somebody hits it, 
So then business has caught on, so this isn't just for the ever internet. What if we made our software evergreen? What if we made our product evergreen? In other words, I created a product that would never wear out for you. And all of a sudden, instead of going to the store, some of you are old enough to remember this, going to the store and buying an upgrade and putting it on your computer, they started magically coming to you for a small fee. Evergreen. Get it? So it moved from marketing into technology. Small little changes over time so that everything stays current and you don't get overwhelmed. Evergreen. Evergreen is now used in business flows. It's used in human resource departments. Evergreen, things that don't wear out. The, the less I have to produce, right? But the, but the cool thing about Evergreen is Evergreen works. Evergreen continues to sell you product forever. Until it gets dated, it will sell you product. Because once it starts getting hit and it's out there and you need to get rid of fleas on your dog at 12 o'clock at night, it pops up and it tells you exactly what you want. And there's links in it to buy stuff. They get paid better than that. There's ads. These people are just sitting out there. And you're one of millions of people at midnight whose dog has fleas. And they're in your bed. And everybody types it in and they make a cool $1,000 that night. On content, this is why the whole AI bot thing is all the hip now. Everybody wants to think, I keep getting all these things. Let us write content for your thing because AI bot. And I'm like, yeah. Because all they're doing is stripping evergreen content, cramming it together, and republishing it. It's going to break the evergreen concept, by the way, because we're going to get tired of it. We're going to get tired too much. Tired of it. It's different when I go ask than when you break in my front door, right? Okay. So the question is, what does evergreen marketing and all of this have to do with discipleship? Because in evergreen marketing concept is this, is that is not only is the content never wear out, but there's always an upsell. Every evergreen content will take you somewhere else to another piece of evergreen content to take you to another one. Come on, you've gotten lost on the web, right? Ended up buying a pair of shoes when you were trying to get, figure out how to get rid of the fleas. <laughs> okay, so the question is, is this, is like, think about it, like how many of you, the essential guide to social media? Evergreen content. It's going to be good as long as they update it, right? But they're never going to, in evergreen content, they're not going to tell you how to do anything specifically on Facebook because Facebook changes constantly. So they're going to keep it. So evergreen content, the care for a puppy, evergreen content, 10 ways to enjoy chocolate cake, how to surprise your wife, what do men want? All evergreen content never needs to change. Okay. And it always has an upsell. So the, the point is, is that it works. And, and then here's the funny thing. Though the church constantly mimics everything from Disney World productions to whatever the latest craze is, we have failed to adopt evergreen marketing. And in discipleship, we have really failed because we are constantly out trying to find the next great program, probably why you came here, <laughs> the next tip, the next trick, the whatever, that ain't evergreen. When you have to go get new curriculum every 13 weeks, because that's the quarter, or 26 weeks or every year, not evergreen. When, when your disciples have to be coerced, given a new plan, champion, beat, screamed at from the pulpit to make disciples, not evergreen. Why is it that we can't do this? Like, why is it? So, Churches die, churches fade, churches everything, and we just don't seem to be evergreen at all. So I guess I want to say this. What would it be like to make evergreen disciples? Disciples that just stood the challenges, stood the cold, stayed green, knew how to retain water, survived all winter, came back kicking in the spring. Well, how cool would that be to have that evergreen disciple that just continues to make disciples? You don't ever have to say a single word. So we call that self-sustaining. Sorry, I got a problem with my iPad here. So they, they, it's that self-sustaining. And it's not that you don't want to go to church or anything, but the point is I don't need that. It's now I'm a part of it and we all feed each other. But my initial, I don't need. I am a self-sustaining, self-replicating disciple. 
So kind of what I want to talk about is this, is that if we, <laughs> I'm having so many problems with this, that there's <laughs> normally at one of our sessions, technology falls apart. So um, if we could launch discipleship or launch disciple making and make it evergreen, then, then what changes in the world, right? So, so what I do is talk about launching discipleship. This is going to be the biggest exposure to the most of the methods that we can cram into one session. These unique methods that God has shown us that we use that get us to this 95%, right? You're going to get. So we're going to talk about six of them. But, but I really, I need, I need to put a pin in this. Dude, we did not invent this. God did this in the Old Testament. God did this in the New Testament. God designed a human brain. God's the one who challenged us to integrate how people learn, how they think, what they value with the concept of attracting them and keeping them in discipleship, to work with the way he designed people. And the reason I say that is because I'm getting ready to talk as if we've discovered the cure for cancer. And so I just want you to forgive me because I'm not, I, there's a lot of things that work. I'm not, I'm just going to say these methods when employed will exponentially, actually I'm using the wrong word because now we have a mathematician on board, geometrically increase your success at making self-sustaining, self-replicating followers of Christ. Good? Okay. All right. I'll just show you the math real quick before we get going. Our end goal, of course, for you is to make you disciple-making superheroes, to make you as effective as you can be by applying these principles, to come alongside you, tell you all the stuff we know that you don't know, to learn stuff from you, to put that in the corpus so we can tell other people stuff they didn't know that we didn't know, that we all now know. The idea is we're so much about the granular mechanics of how do you actually make the disciple, not all the theory. We know we need to do that. That's good. Go to those conferences. Not the this. That's great. We know that. Not the bot. Yeah, it's great. Good. That's awesome. But when you actually, the rubber meets the road, how do you build a group? How do you get this done? And that's kind of where we're at. But I want to show you what Evergreen looks like, the math of it, before we go. I'm only going to show you one because we're kind of tight on time and I want to make sure we're good. But to show you what would happen if you, what? Just make six. Every year, you or your organization just make six disciples, okay? Right? So the math in this model assumes that in year one, I just make six. I could, you and I could just make three. But we're a unit, we make six. Okay? How old are you? 27. Awesome. Do you think? We'll vote. Will he live to 67? They're behind you. Not really. Okay, good. On your 67th birthday, 20 years from now, if, if you just do six, this is what it's going to look like. 3.2 million disciples you will have participated in making. Just make six. This is with a 50% success rate. That means you, you make six, but only three actually move on. If you get this 90%, 95% success rate, 6.4 million disciples. One year later, on the anniversary of that 20 years, 80 million will be finishing up because when you hit 20 years, 80 million will be in year one, two, or three. So who wants to change the world? Yeah. So we don't think like this because we're like, oh, we don't want to measure it because we can't even, listen, I'm not dogging you. I can't believe this stuff. We're at a trajectory this year to add 14,000 new disciples. And I'm just thinking, I can't even process that. Just helping people and helping them be great at what they do. And I can't process that. These things and greater shall you do if we pick up our cross, put our blue hat on, Stop killing pandas and just do a few things. This could be our future. What a legacy, just unknown to anybody how this started. 80 million. And by the way, if we don't do this, they're going to die. If I didn't bring my tape measure, because I didn't think we had time for it. Let's just pretend right now that I'm unreeling a 300-foot tape measure. I'm done. 
I'm holding it up by the end. It's strewn all out among you. How many inches represent the amount of people that have been reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ? The tape represents the globe. Eh, just now, us, yeah. Recorded time that we got. How many? Five inches. <laughs> Man, that kind of stuff will rip your brain apart. We want to make disciples. That's why we're talking to you, because we don't want to partner up with everybody in the world to make disciples. We all need to be effective. We just want to make you effective. But selfishly, we want to make you effective so that you'll make people effective. So don't make people effective because there is going to come a day Jesus is going to come back. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's it, 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 it sounds like a bummer message, but it's not. Like, can you imagine we get to do this? And we know we can get 90% success. Crazy. All right, so let's look at six methods. Some of these to you, if some have been in thinking, you're going to be like, oh, I kind of heard that one. It's okay. Let me give you all six. Interrupt us. Stop us wherever. Method number one, they're all evergreen. Method one, number one is the evergreen fuel. Somebody want to just say it? The Bible. Timeless. The Bible is a timeless resource. It is the perfect evergreen content. It is like gravity in a spiritual sense. God created all the physical laws. Newsflash, he created all the spiritual ones too, and they're recorded in a book. And it is timeless. It is a timeless book. Adultery is adultery in whatever generation you live in. Prosperity is prosperity in any generation you live in. Surrender to Christ is surrender to Christ in any generation. If you were here before, so I don't want to just over, you know, preach this or teach this. But the bottom line is one of the things, the four or five, depending on where you read, what are the four or five things found in every successful discipleship making program, all the ones we research and we do it every year, is that they use the Bible for their fuel. Even if they're only using the partial Bible. By the way, just for kicks, how many discipleship programs here, today, everywhere, across the globe, and even at this conference, how many discipleship programs out there use the entire Bible? Awesome. And again, and again. So, but, but that isn't even not a program. So what I'm just saying is, it's, if they even use part of the Bible, we're there. But it needs to be the primary resource in every successful one. So you need evergreen fuel. You need not, so this is the problem with all the books and the commentaries and God bless her, Beth Moore and all these other people. All that content wears out. And that's why you go and have to buy more. And people's interpretation wears out, even if it's the same, even if it's right, right? Yeah, you ever read uh, Osborne, Oswald Sanders' book on leadership? He's long dead. On the back, John Wet Maxwell writes a thing and says, everything I ever learned about leadership that I needed to know, I learned from this book. I didn't get to meet John Maxwell. I was trying to get to him at the head of the conference with the crowd. I wanted to ask him, well, if it was all in there, why'd you write this book? Oswald Sanders' book is an incredible book, but it's not evergreen. It is evergreen if you can find it, but do you get that idea? So all this content that we point people to that interprets and reinterprets and curates scripture, it's all going to wear out because some new 30-year-old is going to come out. Who know, You've been 30, anybody? Like We know everything, right? So and then we're going to conquer the world. We're going to republish it, repackage it, re-whatever. It's not evergreen, but the Bible is evergreen. But it, when you use evergreen content, you need to actually have a specific plan for each year. You know, let them hear all of God's words. Let them work on what God wants them to work on because it's evergreen. This year they may have fleas, so God will deal with it. Next year, you know, maybe they, you know, they get scabies. I don't know. But, but, but they're going to get something different from his word as they Google it, right? And the Holy Spirit just curates it for them. It's okay. We, we're good. He knows what we need today. We don't need to conquer and know everything. We need to know today what we need to know today. Cool. All right. Got it? Evergreen method two. Evergreen value by integration. Evergreen value by integration. Evergreen. <laughs> so we're, we're, we have fun as a team. We're totally good. So... This is the idea of walking along the way with those you make disciples. Deuteronomy 6, 
tells you that the way you make a disciple is you walk along the way. Please do not get mad at me. I'm perfectly content and love everything that you're doing for your family and the world. But statistically, discipling your children at home with a standard Bible study or a we meet every Tuesday to do this is not the best way. And it's not anything God ever told you to do. He did tell you to train a child up in the way they should go. But Deuteronomy 6 tells you how to do it. It says what? When you're walking along the road, when you're in the field, when you're this, do that. When you, this is just brain science, go with me. Devotions work, but just go with me. If you actually, when your child needs to learn something, teach them in that moment, it puts a tag in their brain and keeps the information fresh because the information is immediately applied. So it's, it's okay to have, pre, pre, you know, preventative education is great. I'm not saying no. I'm just saying that things taught in real time, Deuteronomy 6, is what God said works. And it does work if you've done this with your kid, right? You find a doll in the parking lot, you teach the value of money and ownership and theft. And in that moment, as you try to decide what do they do with that dollar? Get it? So the same thing with adults along the way. So when, when I have an active discipleship group that's based out of our church, not virtual or whatever else, uh, we, we do janitorial services. So we don't have any janitors at our church anymore because all the disciple people do it. Because we've found that having cleaning toilets with people is just a great way to deal with humility and pride and a lot of other things. <laughs> and by the way, girls are way messier in bathrooms. I could explain it to you, but I'm not gonna. So, um, so, but, but, so we, if we go on mission trips, it's all, we intentionally go along the way. I don't really hang out with them. Somebody says, oh, you have relationships with them. I'm like, I don't like my disciples. Forget it. It sounds bad, but like we do discipleship, but I want to keep my blue hat. Like this is one of the few times. So I, I'm there. I'm accessible. When we're not in discipleship, we want to talk, whatever. But like I don't go out and eat with them a lot. And I just don't. I just don't do that. Because I've just seen for me that it, it just gets like weird at sometimes. I don't really have time because we're all used to discipling. So, but, but anyway, I just don't like that relationship building is not, but we have life groups and other stuff for that. This, this time is for this. So when I say walk along the way, I mean like intentionally walking along the way, staying up with them, doing missions, doing, you know, whatever it is that you need to encounter life with them because discipleship works with it. So evergreen, okay. With integration. Got it. Does that make sense? The extra biblical reading, great way. Evergreen. Integration, because now we're talking. And you're like, ah, I, don't, I do this at work, but I can't defend it biblically. And I'm like, so what are you going to do about that? <laughs> right? Vladimir's like, I guess I'll stop. But sounds cool. Next highlight. <laughs> Makes sense? Okay, cool. Third one. Evergreen focus on individuals. Can I tell you this? Every super, and this is relationships, you think relationships, everything, but we're actually talking more just the focus, but you'll see this in every successful disciple-making method, no matter whose it is, in every one, they are relentlessly focused on individuals. This is why probably one of the most successful disciple-making things you've heard about here, like when it comes to programs, is that table for two thing. Okay, though I don't, you know, I go like, how are we going to save the whole world? But the reason it works is because he said it in his presentation, keeps you focused on the individual. When you get in a group, now all of a sudden I got to find this group topic and I got to apply it to all of you. You know, we've already talked about this, how God will customize it. Um, just ask us, we can tell you. But the point is without a method like this. So whatever you do, if you're going to do it in groups, you have to be relentlessly focused on individuals, right? I care about you and I know you are different from you and I knew you are different from her. But I'm going to disciple all of you as individuals. Jesus did this all the time, right? The crowd, the individuals, even when there are 10 of them, he still talked to them differently. He knew how Peter thought. He knew, right? He did this. Sometimes it was three. Sometimes it was one-on-one. -on -one, sometimes it was 10. No matter what it was, Jesus spoke to individuals. He looked right through the crowd and he said to the lepers, like, what do you want? Like, we don't be healed. And he's like, come here. He, he constantly dealt with individuals. So you just need to be focused on individuals. So even when you're in a group, that's why we protect that space. I love that phrasing. We protect that space for the Holy Spirit by saying, when you're talking, it's your discipleship. Even though there's 10 people, they can hear anything and learn anything, but it's yours, not theirs. So we need something, to, and we allow the Spirit to customize that. By, by creating that space for the Holy Spirit to, to be the one who actually 
highlights and convicts you. We allow him to customize. So now I have 10 people. They're in 10 different places all over the map in this group. But the Holy Spirit's dealing with each one of them individually. That's powerful stuff, right? So evergreen. The way you keep a group evergreen is to stay focused on the individuals. It will just thrive. Okay, good. All right. No questions. I thought I did it. I'm trying to give away $100 before I leave. Nobody's claimed 100 bucks yet. All right, go, sir. So the second one, evergreen value by integration. It, I didn't, I didn't yeah, go back, Tim, for just two slides. Yeah. yeah. So the, when we say they integrate, it, it's, it's a value. Integration is what we're shooting for. Yeah. So What's your question? We were talking uh, earlier, um, the reason why people don't participate in discipleship is they don't see the value yeah. in it. And you demonstrate it by intentionally creating those opportunities. Yeah, and, and we're just highlighting the value. So, so, the, so in the idea of implementing and launching discipleship, you have this evergreen focus on individuals. You're showing this evergreen value. It's enduring. It never, ever, ever, ever goes away. That is a communication that you're going to have to have at first, where I'm showing you the value of this, right? And you see that as you walk with me. You see it as you go. Does that help? I'm going to add something to the evergreen um, individuals real quick. Um, if you make them projects, they're going to get bored. People see through that. So you, you do have to have a, just a rampant care. Does that make sense? Because as evergreen as the truth is, and as evergreen as the value is, and all that we pitch, if your focus isn't evergreen, like unwaveringly focused on the individual, not going to happen. Does that make sense? We've all been made projects. Anybody been made project by a church? Not judging any churches, just have you? None of you? You've not been made projects by churches. Jumped in, they tried to assimilate you, get you to do stuff, do this, do that, do this, that. But you kind of, kind of felt like, like I'm kind of a project. Yeah, so it's okay. Maybe you haven't, and that's awesome for you. But I think a lot of people have. And this is what happens when we go serve the homeless, right? You go down for the weekend, and there are project. Like a straight, great story. One of my friends was walking into like their, I don't know, some food store. He's walking to the food store, and... And he looked at the guy, and the guy was sitting there, and he was just sitting there, kind of looked like a bum, this or that. And, and, and he walked in, and he, he, he was getting ready to go in, and he said to, he said to him, he said, what, do you need me to pick up some food or something for you? And the guy looked at him, and he said, I was just resting, man. How about you say hi? I didn't need anything from you. Like, you get it? So it's just, it's super, super important. So um, I think that really that they need to see that value that is evergreen coming out of us, like we need to be billboards, it needs to be working for us. And that's what needs to be given to them as individuals. Does that make sense? And very humbly. You know, I did my humble pitch, like, because I really want you to understand, like, this all works. God created this. He created humans, the science, he created the book, the everything. Does it make sense? All right, so let's look at the evergreen pathway. Tim, now I'm ready. The evergreen pathway focuses on who they are becoming, not what they are. Oh, you guys can do better than that. Some of you have been here. They focus on who they're becoming and not what they're doing. That doesn't mean we're not looking at the do's because the do's reveal who I am. But the point is, is this, if I don't focus on the individual, instead of focusing on their actions, which may take time to reform, why not focus on their personal health, their personal spiritual health, who you be, like, who do you be? Does that make sense? Let me ask you a question, sir. Until I get your name tag, I'm going to call you, sir. You are? Andy. Andy. That voice sounds like I can pick on you. So what's going to do? All right, Andy, I'm going to give you some B's. And I ask you if you've mastered them. Like, if that's, I, are you convicted? Yes. You sure? Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Is there anything God's told you to do that you have not done? Yes. Then you are not convicted. 
No, you probably are. Why haven't you done it? Okay, so how often does that happen? Every day on some level. Okay, so then you ain't be convicted yet. You're not scared enough yet. <laughs> I don't mean it bad. Like God, God loves us, but it is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a. Okay. So when I'm really, really convicted, for some reason I see the value, right? I don't know what it is, so I'm not even going to diagnose it. And don't need to, but for you. Like the, but the point is, is, and I don't know, he may be perfectly have this mastered, but I'm just saying, if I'm constantly struggling with maybe not following or choosing self, I really haven't mastered being convinced by God. I haven't become convinced by God. Because when I really am convinced by God that he's God and his way is the right way, my automatic response becomes what? Repent. Because, right, either follow him or stop doing what I'm doing, but all that's repenting, right? Change my ways. Does that make sense? So I can look at that do, which is all I'm doing. I'm looking at the do to kind of figure out the be, right? So in that little thing, what's the next be? Do you guys remember the little pathway? You have your little cards. It's enlightenment, right? Right? Well, let's, let's, let's pick on you guys. You ready? Are you enlightened? I don't know, honey. Am I? Dude, that's exactly what I would have done. Amber, they're talking to me publicly. How many of you think I'm an introvert or extrovert, by the way? Yeah, I am, I am totally, okay. I'm an ambivert, really, it's really weird being me. I'm kind of a heavy mix of both, but yeah, I totally get it. You're enlightened? That's awesome. So the idea here is that I need the, whether you use, listen, the, the, we didn't invent this, like the cell, this like a pathway of integration. This just comes out of our research that this is the path people follow. I don't care what pathway you use, but whatever your pathway is, it needs to be evergreen. What's that mean? Just unchanging consistent because it helps me figure out now we're making total presumptions about you and you're probably a really wonderful person who's way more mature than me but in this illustration if he's really where he's at I'm going to talk to him different than you the only way I can do that is if I have an unchanging unwavering standard an understanding of how God matures people right an understanding of where they can be where it can, because I'm focused on them as individuals that's part of my evergreen focus right so now my every if I have every where am I going to take them I mean, nothing worse than being a truck driver, right? Loading up your cargo and you don't have a map. You just drive around until somebody goes, hey, that's mine. Right? So you need like this evergreen pathway. So you kind of watch the do's. You focus on the bees. You watch the do's. And you work with God's method. You work with God's method of getting all of this done. Cool? You got any questions on that? If you go like, please explain the whole pathway. I'm going to say, I wish you'd been here a few minutes ago or whatever. But we, we have ways to do that. Does this make sense, though? Okay. So, so are you writing your notes down? So it's the first evergreen we need? Okay. Fuel. Comprehensive fuel. I would argue total Bible. If we know they need the word of God, why not give it all to them, right? Two. What time is this in? 4.30? So, so evergreen fuel. Second is, yeah, the, the integrating right it needs to be okay. And third, fourth, okay. Anybody want to guess fifth? It's one of my favorite ones. I mean, they all work. These are all methods that work. It's amazing groups. Even if you can convince them, even if you're a billboard for success, even if you're committed to them and focused on them as individuals, you're committed to using God's word, you're going to follow his pathway and everything else. If your group bites, they're gone. <laughs> you get it? I mean, if, if your group's just like, wait, this is our, my brother right here, right? Tim? Is it Tim? Tim told you if 20 years ago, the person who was actually running my group had run a good group, I'd probably be making disciples now. 20 years side trip. So we need to have these incredibly, incredibly, incredibly evergreen groups. So I'm going to tell you something else about evergreens. I think it's so cool. So the evergreen trees all drop their leaves from the inside or outside. You have a Christmas tree. You know the answer. What? The inside. Why do they do that? 
God made them that way, Doug. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. So because they grow all season, when they drop that interior, it creates mulch and fertilizer for the for the challenging times. Isn't that cool? So what you have is you got you have this this whole idea here that um, when you have evergreen groups, they should be it, it, like they they should fertilize each other. Does that make sense? Whoa, that could be taken so wrong. Um, <laughs> um, sorry, this is the way my brain works. <laughs> so we need like an eight second time delay, Tim. You know, a, a Doug delay. Um, no, but but like so like like as you're learning. That learning should be fertilizing my life, right? It should be causing me to grow. Does that make sense? So, so I gotta have these, I wanna have these evergreen groups. I wanna have these amazing groups that just last and last and last. And one of the funny things is, is to actually have an evergreen amazing group system, what you actually need to do is destroy them. So every year, every time you go through a cycle, it's try to never have the same people together and or the same people with the same leaders. Like, no, but I want to be their mentor. Okay, just let God be their mentor and get out of the way. Because what happens, you build these unhealthy relationships. I become like a, it's Trent, right? I become a Trent worshiper. Like, oh, Trent, he's like my spiritual father. I mean, I get it, Paul, this, that, that's all great. But the point is, is that Trent only has one, you know, no matter how successful he is, he only has, well, can I come to your 20 member group? I can't even imagine how much fun that is. They just meet in your house. That's exciting. People are actually making disciples. So, but, but he still has one perspective and one level of depth. But, but what if I get with one of these guys? They're a little older than you. And they probably have some bullet holes that you don't have. And then, and then I'm over here and maybe you lead my group next. Uh, yeah. By the way, I hate meals. I totally derailed discipleship. But, uh, they do. No, I mean, it's like fellowship time. No, let's get in there and get this done. I got to go home, man. I run in 12 of these groups. So, but anyway, um, fellowship is great. We do it. You know what we tell them? You want to hang out and go eat or something afterwards. But we don't meet in houses either because we find them almost impossibly distracting unless you're just like, you know, empty nesters or whatever. But even dogs, my dogs, totally distracting. (laughs) Got it? Okay. So, so. To have an evergreen group structure and have amazing groups, I'm going to tell you, we have a whole section on this, but I just really want you to hear this because this is a method. We're trying, some people were like, what are all the methods? So look, we're trying to give them all to you in one just bite. You want evergreen groups, you, you need to, they need to embrace variety. They need to be mixed up all of the time, never having the same leader. And, and, then, and then I'm going to say it again, everybody listening, that guard individual discipleship. You have to guard individual discipleship. If you turn it into a small group, small groups are great. Like if you have small groups, don't kill any of that. That's all attracting people, growing them, keeping them. It's a part of the process. Okay, don't don't mess any of that up. But discipleship is about discipleship. All these people are right that one-on-one works. They're absolutely right. It just doesn't work to win the whole world. So we need to put groups of one-on-one together, which is even better because like, again, we said, they're going to learn and learn and learn from a bunch of different people, right? Okay. Yeah, so we, we, we end, I mean, if Tim ends like two weeks before the next one starts, but cool people like me give you a month off. So my group ends like right after January, beginning of, and then you start back like, what, second week of February is what you're doing right now, Tim? So it's second week of February. So, and so every time we restart, so our church is smaller and yours, there are different strategies that work in different places. We do draft day, like football draft day. We all get together. Everybody who's out of discipleship too, anybody who's involved in the disciple making process, and we have pizza and Cokes. And so, yeah, no, the cadre of leaders, I, I uh, just made disciples. Yeah, you can, there's much faster launches though. These workshops, so we've developed ways to help people get going. I promise you, if you give me 10 people, give me 100, I don't care how many you give me. You give me whatever you got, we will get them ready to lead three to 10 people. We'll do it in two days. We'll give them six weeks of coaching. They'll get 90% success. So there, there may be some talks about how you select those first people. Are they your leads? So churches do this. Sometimes people have to sneak it in. 
Like you just launch a group like I did, just launch a group and then build because we had nobody. And I discipled all the girls. I discipled everybody because there was nobody to disciple them, right? And then I carried Amber through discipleship. And we fell in love. And then, so um, not during discipleship. Okay, so, and no, so. <laughs> one of the few one-on-ones that worked. No, okay, so. Uh, no, so, but we just, I discipled groups of ladies because there was nobody to do it until those ladies were ready and then they took off and they did. So I, that's kind of the slow roll and it works, especially if your church leaders won't let you do this. You don't need permission, but you just have to go make disciples and it'll work. It doesn't take that many more years. It's, it adds a couple of years to the process. You'll still get to 3.6. But the, uh, there's some cooler ways to do it where you start with like, you know, five, six groups and we get them ready and, and they got, Bart, Bart's our biggest well, I don't know. He and Lou compete. Bart's the biggest, youngest, the youngest, biggest Waldo. If you find him, his church was basically doing nothing. He has a passion for it. He was struggling. He's a discipleship pastor. Was struggling with that. He came to the workshop, took this, employed it, and they went from zero. I think they're making fifty plus disciples this year, in a church of you know two hundred. Crazy. So and so he just he didn't he just trained. He got him trained like six new leaders. Yeah. Do you have? Do you ever have people in your groups who know each other previously outside of the groups or are these? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that happens all the time. We have couples who go through them. We have a special set of parameters for couples, like you're not married in this group. Men and women are very bad about this in Deception 1. He's like, well, the Lord says, like, we should be nice, you know, to our family. And she's like, well, finally, <laughs> this doesn't work. <laughs> so, like, we have some kind of guidance with that. But, yeah, they may know each other going in. It's really as we go through the process that we want to change it up. So by cycle, do you mean, like, year one? Two and three, yeah. So the second year, not the same people and not the same week? Whenever possible. Okay, so your first couple cycles, just depending on, like this is a very complex question answers why we help people when you put your strategies together, but it depends on how many people you start with. If that's really what it comes down to, how many groups and people you start with. Two groups of three? All right, start two groups of three. You're going to have a little like repeat, but after year three, yeah, you're good. Yeah. yeah, so here's what I would say. Your overall goal is these principles, but when you launch... There's concessions that'll be made. If you're going to do that, reach out to us because we can tell you some things that have really worked and some things that haven't worked. Why is it, it's not good for the same? Oh, because the, the idea here is this, is that, that we're trying to reflect the body of Christ. And so instead of the three of us becoming really close, now if you bust us apart, then we all get close with two other people and we're strengthening the very body of Christ, the very fabric of the community of Christ. It's not that we're not even trying to avoid clicks, not scared of clicks. Jesus can handle that. We're trying to increase, following 1 Corinthians 12, the strength of the body of Christ by variety. It's an intentional thing. This is not a preventive thing. This is an intentional following of Scripture. Good? You know what? And can I be honest too? You don't really encounter a whole lot of that. I know people are like, oh, but they're not going to get along and stuff, but they can't talk to each other. Like, you know, they learn from each other. They can't talk to you. They actually can become very compassionate. I have one minute left, so can I give you, I want to give you the six one just so you have it, because how many people would not be able to sleep if you couldn't fill in the blanks? <laughs> all right, good. Yeah, all right, you ready? So, evergreen process. Three years, inflexible, no customization. That, if you're asking me how to get the 90 to 95%, I'm just saying for the first three years, how about you just do what works? Like, don't reinvent the wheel. Take the, take the method, put it in place, Work it, baby. You know? And then, and then start seeing if you think maybe you need to swap a book in or out. However, you may be in a unique culture. If you're in Chile, we need to have a conversation because we know some things about South America implementation. If you're in New England, we know a few things. If you're right in here, easy launch. If you're in Atlanta, different. So there, there may be some things you take into, as far as how you launch based on your size who you are, where you are, how many groups you're going to have, who will buy in, do you have leadership support, all of those things. But when you get done with all of that, how about you just design amazing groups by these principles that actually work and run this thing for a couple years and just run it and let it run. 
And then as you hit bumps and stuff, you have, a, we do coaching, but even if you don't want to do coaching, just send us an email, whatever, along the way, and you just go, hey, <laughs> this is crashing and burning. What do I do? Keith's made that call, haven't you, Keith? His first group, Jamie's suffering through that right now. Like, it's just, some groups just have troubles, just that, man. And it's just like, you know, you shoot up a flag, a flare, and you get help. Does that make sense? But you need a process that's just kind of unbending, okay? Uh, so here's what I'd say. As you're going to go out and you're going to kind of launch this, okay? Launch in the right season, which is when? If you can do it, February or in around there. Fall works okay. Nothing outside September. You try to launch late September, October, November. Holidays will kill you because of the rhythms of a human being. Fertilize with value. Pitch value. Don't pitch call. Don't pitch duty. Just like this. My life is better. <laughs> Your life's going to be better. You know, pitch value. Not fake. Like just really do it. Don't overwhelm and don't underwhelm. So I mean, don't pitch three years. But if somebody says, is this a multi-year process? Don't lie to them. Go, yeah. It's three years, but you got it. Let's just focus on year one. Does that make sense? Because if you create a void, who's going to fill it? Satan. Because they'll call you a liar. Remember that trust factor? Launch it with mature leaders. Okay. Like people with just a little season so they don't get killed by the enemy. Doesn't have to be crazy, but just not. I would just, and, and I'm going to say because this is titled six. I guess you can see this, but it just makes six. Just like, just like we do at the Bible reading pan, we get them to relax. How about you do the same thing? Everybody take a big deep breath and just make six. Give it 20 years. We're going to have bajillions. Just make bajillions. Bajillions. I can do this all day long. Bajillions. Did, you with me? So just make six. Just keep it super simple. Okay, so if it were me, I would either consume how to make disciples, cover to cover, or I would go to a workshop, or I would do both. And the reason I say that is this, the how to make disciples, I'm not, just call me on my freebies, I'm good. I'm just telling you, you want to know. I would do the how to make disciples, the workshop is like the color to that commentary. It's like this. So if everybody's read it, when they show up for the workshop, man, it's just like a fertile field of, of, of the, the nuances that what did you do with that group? And like so a lot of these breakouts, you'll hear some repeats, but there's so many we haven't done. They have a whole set of them. So you're going to get, you'll get those nuances. It's like the color. Derek, is that a good way to explain it? He just went through the workshop. Yeah, I might just give my two cents. We came through the conference in Nashville in the fall. I watched the mock group and then I started a group with coaching. It was a bit of the hard way to do it. You know, because I was learning as I was you know, learning to swim while you're flailing around, but I was able to do it. Then we did the workshop, and the workshop would have been helpful. So some of it's your temperament. It's your, okay with ambiguity. I think you can jump in and get coached, but you've got to be coached. Or, All right, yeah, if you're going to just launch from the book, there's very few people unless you've been around it a lot or done groups. Like Bart pulled this off without coaching, but Bart kind of lived with us for like six months. So he, he kind of got it all, but so he did get coaching. But you can do it. I would argue you could take that book, you could read it, you just follow it. Like it, the back of the book tells you what we do every step of the way. But I would agree with Derek. I would say, to, for me, I would, get, I would sign up for a live workshop if you can travel. Just sign up for a live workshop if you can travel. Chew through the book before you get there, or at least read the first two parts, okay? Because then uh, if you can't travel, like it's just busy schedules, you know, 800 kids, whatever, you're a foster parent, whatever it is, do the virtual workshop. Just do it. We're still trying to figure out the back and forth communication. It's kind of rustic right now because like we want you to be able to do it on your schedule, but if you do it on your schedule, then how do we provide those answers? So we're going to set up kind of a mini coaching answer network. When you launch, I would be on with Daryl all day long, uh, Derek all day long, and I would say coaching. I think Tim, we don't have time to really comment, but they're all nodding their heads. We just see really consistent performance when people get coaching, and it's like it's practical coach. It's like you know how to get ready for week one. We know we've done this so much now. We know what's, we can predict what's going to happen in certain cases, and then answer your questions. Other questions? 
So yeah, workshop. You, where do you find workshops? You, he's going to put up the scanny codes. And the scanny codes? <laughs> that, me. It's getting late. Uh, and the, it's the scan codes. You can do that, or you can go to the homepage of sustainable-discipleship.com. And it has it tells you all the success and all that, but you can just click register. It'll zoom you to the bottom. There's three workshops made June and July, and then the virtual one. You can just shortcut all that and go to online.sustainable-discipleship.com. It's its own little subdomain. Cool. Anybody else have any questions? Is a value? Was this breakout a value? Seriously, if it's not, tell us. I'll give you a hundred dollars. No? Did you learn new stuff? Okay. Cool. Thank you for being here. Uh, be praying for us. We're going to pack up and go home. I'll be praying for you. A lot of you guys have ways to travel, right? Why don't we do that? Let's just close with a quick prayer. That sounds like cool. Father, uh, we have another session, and then everybody kind of packs up and goes to hotels, gets ready to head home, whatever it is. I mean, get all these people home safe, and I pray, God, that they'll take all the stuff they've learned at this conference and all these other breakouts, and, and they'll just integrate it and figure out what you want them to do. And God... Me too, that our disciples will be strong and effective. Blessings upon you, Father, for giving us this privilege. Amen. Really, really enjoyed this. See you guys. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. I hope that you enjoyed those last four episodes from Sustainable Discipleship. They're one of our sponsors right now, so make sure to go check out their website, sustainable-discipleship.com. And up next, we've got track sessions from our very own pointleaderofdiscipleship.org, Bobby Harrington. I can't wait to dive into those along with you to hear the incredible information that he shared with us during the last forum. Hey, if you haven't heard about the city tour coming up, we are coming to a city near you. Go to discipleship.org and buy your tickets. These are like mini forums that are touring around the country. And the first one is happening here in the Nashville area, October 27th and 28th. So if you live here, go buy your tickets, come down to my church. I'd love to lead you all in worship as we prepare our hearts to learn more about discipleship. All right, y'all, thanks so much for being a Disciple Makers Podcast listener, and I hope that you enjoy the rest of your day.